Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football, and on it you will hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins, losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Megan. U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at any given you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Meegan, and we have an awesome show for you today. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the content, please make sure that you give us a rating and review. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can follow us on social media at Any Given You on Instagram. Hit the link tree to get access to all things Any Given You. Tonight we are doing Any Given Use Way Too Early Top 25 for the 2022 season. This is a very fun time to sit back and speculate on which teams we think deserve to make this list. Now, before we get into the list, I want to caveat a few things. Number one, this list is in no way, shape, or form a preview of the teams that I think are going to finish the year in the top 25. However, based off of the metrics that we have coming off the 2021 season the roster moves the coaching changes these are the 25 best teams in our opinion in college football coming into the 2022 season but we fully expect some upward and downward movement in these rankings as the season continues we fully expect that some of these teams will likely end up at least probably half of these teams will likely end up outside of the top 25 and we fully recognize that there are teams that are not on our top 25 list that have a very good shot at cracking the top 25 before it's all said and done we do have wild cards just like we had on last year's episode and we have dark horse teams as well of one other caveat I want to address is I will not be doing a super deep dive into each one of these teams. I doubt you have a two-hour commute to work. Um, so we are going to do probably more like broad strokes across each one of these teams, the five W's, if you will, on each one of these teams. But have no fear, we will delve deeper into each one of these teams on future episodes as we have a very long preseason ahead of us. We're only in February. The season don't, doesn't get started until September, so we've got plenty of time to discuss these teams ad nauseum uh, in their ins and outs. So without further ado, let's get into Any Given use Top 25 for the 2022 season. We start at number 25 with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, the Bearcats are coming off of a historic season. They had the best season statistically in school history. It culminated in a playoff berth and a loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Cotton Bowl. What we're going to see out of this team in 2021, I doubt you're going to see, first off, a repeat of that sort of success. Luke Fickle has done a very good job 
with that program over the last several years. And to be honest with you, they're in my top 25 at number 25 because of that body of work. If you really wanna kick the ins and outs of this program, right, they're losing a ton of talent. Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, Majay Sanders, Darian Beavers, Ahmad Gardner, the list goes on and on. They have a ton to replace. Defensive coordinator Kerry Coombs comes in from Ohio State. Again, not super impressive at Ohio State with what he was able to do, but uh, he is an experienced defensive coach. So, And they've recruited well enough on that side of the ball that I think the defense might be in decent shape. Offensively, the offensive line should get better, but there has been an exodus of their signal caller and their number one running back. They do have a deep backfield with guys such as Charles McClellan and Ryan Montgomery and Elijah Wright sitting back there. But again, we'll have to see what this Bearcats team looks like after that massive exodus of talent that was largely the reason for their success last year. At number 24, we have the BYU Cougars. This will be the final year that BYU is a independent team at the FBS level. They will be joining the Big 12 along with Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF in 2023. Now, the Cougars have won 21 games over the last two years, and I think Kalani Sataki's done a really good job there at his alma mater. Quarterback Jaron Hall Threw for 2,500-plus yards last year. He accounted for over 300 yards on the ground. And he will have skilled players in Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney returning. They returned four out of five on the offensive line, although they do lose James Empey at center, which would be a big loss for them. But again, four out of five is not bad up front. Tyler Algier is off to the NFL. However, they do have Christopher Brooks, who committed to the team early in January, to step into his role. And BYU's defense is going to have to improve. They gave up almost six yards of play and nearly 25 points of contest. They do return the one and two deep at nearly every position on the defensive side of the ball uh, that, that played in the Independence Bowl. So it should be very interesting to see what this team looks like coming into this year. And of note, Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely will also be coming back after losing a significant playing time in 2021 due to injury. At number 23, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, this was a team that was led by defense and special teams. Offensively, it was smoke and mirrors. And to be honest with you, the David Copperfield act didn't hold up very well. It was pretty clear what this team was by about week three or four into the season. And we made mention last year whether or not their turnover luck was going to continue. Their field position luck was going to continue to keep them in the win column. Did They were good at two-thirds of the game. Very good defensively, very good with special teams, and it led to a 10-2 record. However, coming into this year, the few off some of the few offensive weapons that they did have are exiting. Tyler Goodson is off to the NFL. Tyler Linderbaum is likely off to the NFL, and we're going to be in the middle of a quarterback battle between two quarterbacks that don't exactly inspire a ton of confidence and certainly don't strike any fear in opposing defenses in it, Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla. However, they will have a receiving core that returns nearly intact, but again, consider the source. This is the Iowa Hawkeyes we're talking about. Now, defensively, They've lost a couple of key guys like Zach Van Valkenburg on the defensive line. However, they do return cornerback Riley Moss and Jack Campbell at linebacker to anchor, which should be a very solid high Iowa Hawkeyes defense for this season. 
At number 22, we have the Houston Cougars. Uh, they showed a ton of improvement last year with Dana Holgerson in his third year. They managed a 12-2 record. I believe they won 11 games straight or something like that. It was it was pretty impressive. They did appear in the American Conference title game against falling to Cincinnati, as Cincinnati had dominated that league for the last couple of years. They returned quarterback Clayton Toon running back Alton McCaskill, and wide receiver Nathan Dell as a very strong offensive trifecta there. You have to be very excited about this Houston team coming into this next year with that kind of firepower coming back. However, the offensive line has to make significant gains as they gave up 38 sacks last year, and we're just not very good holding up in pass protection and giving Clayton Toon time back there. Now, Houston's defense gave up almost six yards per play and 32 points a game in 2020. They took a step forward in 2021, giving up under five yards of contest, chopping that points margin down by 12, giving up about 20 points per contest. So that is a big step forward with defensive coordinator Doug Belk. They do have to replace Marcus Jones at cornerback, but a good bulk of that defense is returning. And I like this team as my favorite in the American Conference coming in at a glance. At number 21, I've decided to place the Penn State Nittany Lions here. James Franklin is 11-11 over the last two seasons, but six of those 11 losses come by one score. This is a team that, despite all of the flaws, the talent level has still allowed them to play competitive ball against some quality opponents. Now, quarterback Sean Clifford returns. He improved from a very, I would say, pedestrian 2020 year. 2021 was better statistically, but it still had the same kind of feel to it, except something fundamentally changed. In 2020, I felt like Sean Clifford was something that was maybe the one thing that was holding them back. In 2021, I felt like he was the one thing that was holding them together as the, again, shaky play from the offensive line gave up 30-plus sacks again for the second year in a row. An extremely one-dimensional offensive attack with almost zero run game really put a lot on his shoulders. Jahan Dotson's off to the NFL, so that is a big loss in the receiving department. However, Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith do return, and Britton Strange Theo Jackson return at tight end, so he does have receiving options. They did land new defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. He inherits a group that finished second in the Big Ten in scoring defense, and I think they have to restock some positions in the trenches as well as the linebacker unit, but the... Defense has received a boost from P.J. Mustafer and safety Jair Brown, electing to stay for an extra year. And I think that the schedule for Penn State coming into this next year is a little more friendly than it was last year. At number 20, we went ahead and did it. We've gone out on the limb, and we have stuck the USC Trojans at this spot. Lincoln Riley, I think he's changing what is going on at that program day by day. Uh, it's been about two months, and Riley has reshaped a substantial part of this roster Flipping some recruits from that Oklahoma class, although the Oklahoma class stays largely intact, he did flip a few attractive guys away, and then he's been slaying the transfer portal. You know, four four-stars, eight three-stars, pulling them out of there. They include uh, players from Alabama, Auburn, Oregon, multiple players from Oklahoma, as I mentioned. Mario Williams, five-star wide receiver. Travis Dye, running back from Oregon. He's got Brennan Rice, who is 
one of Colorado's most talented players. And if that wasn't enough, just a couple days ago, Caleb Williams announced that he would indeed follow his former head coach and make him his current head coach again in Southern Cal. And when you have a quarterback talent like that and skill talent around him like they've been pulling to Southern Cal, this has the potential to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country, certainly in the Pac-12 and without a doubt in the Pac-12 South. As Although I think Utah is still the team to beat in that division, offensively, the firepower that the Trojans could have in 2022 is astronomical. What is also astronomically bad is is the, the the trench play for the USC Trojans. Offensive defensive line has got to improve. It is too easy to rush the passer on this team. It is too easy to get physical with this team. It is too easy to shut this team's run game down. And then conversely, on the defensive side of the ball, this is a group that is pretty easy to run on. They don't play with a lot of physicality up front, and that is something that is going to have to be addressed by Lincoln Riley and staff if they want to have sustained success at USC. But I would say they are headed in the right direction with what it is they've done, and off of talent alone, USC has just earned a top 20 spot, in my opinion. At number 19, I've got the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, Mark Stoops is coming off of another 10-win season in Lexington. This will be his second one of his tenure, and they do have a list of departures from both sides of the ball, and this can't be kind of underplayed. It's pretty significant. Top receiver Wandale Robinson and All-American tackle Darian Kennard are off to the NFL. However, running back Christopher Rodriguez Jr., is electing to stay for another year. Quarterback Will Levis is returning, and Virginia Tech transfer Tavion Robinson is likely to slide into that wide receiver role that Wandale has left, although he is a very explosive playmaker in in Wandale Robinson. That's what I'm talking about, leaving to the NFL. It, it is nice to see that they went out and addressed a need in the portal. Defensively, there's some guys that are going to stay. There's some guys that will likely go on to the next level. But if they can keep enough of a nucleus together on the defensive side of the ball, I think they'll be all right, as well as they retained defensive coordinator Brad White, turning down the LSU job, electing to stay with the Kentucky Wildcats, so that's really good continuity on that side of the ball. We have them at 19 for that reason. At number 18, we have a familiar face in the Wisconsin Badgers. Last year, this team started off 1-3, turned around to win eight of their last nine. They did uh, stumble at the finish line against Minnesota and did not represent the Big Ten West in the Big Ten title game. But Paul Christ's team could be back to the top of the West division here this next fall, but it's going to require some things to fall in place for them. Now, they do have a rising start running back in Braylon Allen, and he was able to run for 1,268 yards last year as a true freshman. And if he does doesn't hit a sophomore slump and improves on that mark or even accomplishes that mark in this next year, that will help immensely. Graham Ertz at quarterback, a guy that really hasn't played up to that four-star billing since he's been there, but I don't know if you can really blame him so much as Wisconsin has just not stocked the fridge basically offensively for a lot of quarterback success. Because of sort of the antiquated system they they run and they're losing Danny Davis the third, Kendrick Pryor, and tight end Jake Ferguson. That Badgers offense is going to be a work in progress probably early in the year, and they're going to have to lean on their defense that's been historically good under Jim Leonard. However, 
They have lost key pieces from that unit last year, including linebackers Leo Chanel and Noah Burks and cornerback Fayon Hicks. So if we see this team defensively take a dip and offensively they're spinning their wheels, I think we could be looking at another 8-4, and 9-3 and three type finish, maybe even something even as bad as a 7-5. and five. Wisconsin at 18, I have them in here again because of the historics, but it would not surprise me in the least to see this team get bounced out of the top 25 before the end of the year. Again, because of the step they're going to have to take back defensively and that offense's inability to light up the scoreboard. At number 17, I've got Tennessee. I did it. I put the Vols here. Now, Hinton Hooker returns, and that is probably the biggest reason I have slid this team into the top 20. Otherwise, I would have probably had them as a fringe team, maybe 25, 24. But I think the presence of Hendon Hooker moves this team solidly into the top 20 for me. He was one of the best signal callers in all of the SEC last year. He threw for 2,945 yards and 31 touchdowns. He didn't even start every game. And he ran for over 600 yards and scored five times on the ground in route to guiding the offense to an average of 39.3 points per game. And he also returns his top target in Cedric Tillman, who accounted for 64 catches. The Wyoming transfer Isaiah Nayer will also help fill that void that's going to be left by Javonta Payton and Valus Jones here in 2022. They do lose Cade Mays on an offensive line that already surrendered 44 sacks last year. But um, that's not really the biggest issue. The biggest issue is their defense that averaged giving up 33 points against conference opponents in 2021. I will say this. If, if, if Coach Heupel can continue the offensive success and take a couple steps forward defensively or even a step forward and get that, that, that points per game given up sub 30, I think you have a team here that has the potential to stay in the top 25 and maybe even improve their position to a fringe top 10 type team. It would really take a big step defensively with no offensive drop-off to do that, however. At number 16, we've got the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. They are also coming off a historic season that included an ACC Atlantic Division title and tying for the most wins in school history with 11. Now, Wake Forest should be back in the mix to win the conference in 2022. The biggest reason for this is probably quarterback Sam Hartman, who accounted for 39 touchdowns and 4,228 yards passing. And he should be among the top quarterbacks in the ACC. Now, Jakari Roberson is off to the NFL, but Sam Hartman won't lack for receiving options with A.T. Perry, Taylor Morin, Keyshawn Williams, and Donovan Green all on the outside. They did lose leading rusher Christian Beal Smith, who opted to transfer, but Justice Ellison and Christian Turner are back. They combined for 1,000 yards on the ground last year and might be a nice one-two punch in the backfield. Wake Forest defensively, here's the key again, ranked towards the bottom of the barrel in the ACC over the last five years, but I would hope that there's some room for improvement. Brad Lambert is the new defensive coordinator there. He's got a reputation for being a pretty solid defensive coordinator, so he is he is coming to Winston-Salem to coach him up. The Demon Deacons do lose a few pieces on the defensive side of the ball, but the bulk of the two deep is back, including defensive end Rondell Bothroyd. I have trouble with that last name. He had eight sacks last year, which is definitely a, a pretty good mark for returning talent. And they also have a very friendly schedule this year with VMI, Vanderbilt, Liberty, and Army. 
Um, they should be able to go 4-0 in non-conference play, and Clemson visits Winston-Salem this next fall as well. There you go. Got the Demon Deeks at 16. At number 15, I've got Michigan State. This has a lot to do with Mel Tucker, in my opinion. I really think he's a heck of a ball coach, and he successfully used the transfer portal to make the Spartans one of the most improved teams of the past season. They went from 2-5 and five in the shortened COVID year to 11-2, and two, a Peach Bowl victory, and the rebuild is going to continue in this year. They do lose Kenneth Walker III to the NFL, Jalen Naylor also to the NFL, but they do return quarterback continuity. They do have wide receiver Jaden Reed. They're back on the offense, and the offense was no slouch. They averaged more than 30 points a game last year. I think, honestly defensively Michigan State definitely has to improve from their 5.6 yards per con- per per play excuse me given up last year especially on the secondary that was extremely porous and you know sort of had that uh, stigma to them last year as being pretty easy to throw on they do add some key additions one I, one pickup I really do like is Amir Speed from Georgia they pick him up to play corner and nickel corner in that new system and he honestly reunites with Mel Tucker because this kid was a freshman when Mel Tucker was the defensive coordinator at Georgia back in 2017. So definitely looking forward to seeing what he does in the Big Ten this year. But I think the Michigan State Spartans will be clear, uh, you know, solidly in the mix in, in at least the Big Ten uh, East picture. I think the success will continue for Coach Tucker. I don't know if it'll quite be as electric as it was this past season but like I said I'm I'm very very high on his ability to coach uh, I think him and Dave Aranda are two coaches that I've, I've bought a lot of stock on last year for good reason and and so we have them at 15. At number 14 we've got the Oregon Ducks coming out of the Pac-12 North and uh, I think they enter 2022 in a state of transition with three new coaches not least of which is Dan Lanning who inherits a team capable of winning the division, in my opinion. But the Ducks open with Coach Lanning's former team, Georgia, in Atlanta in neutral site action. They also play a home slate that features matches against BYU, UCLA, Washington, and Utah, so definitely not an easy schedule for this next year. However, transfer quarterback from Auburn, Bo Nix, will battle Ty Thompson to start at the quarterback position. The winner should have one of the Pac-12's top offensive lines to protect them, which was a huge problem for Bo Nix at Auburn. We never really saw what this young man could do with a really, truly solid offensive line with good continuity that was creating a pocket for him. So it should be interesting to see what he can do behind this better offensive line. And also, Oregon doesn't lack for options at skill positions either with receivers Devin Williams, Chris Hudson, and Troy Franklin available for whichever quarterback is to win the battle. But Travis Dye and CJ Verdell are not going to be available for this next year. So that's the one-two punch that Oregon has sort of leaned on the last couple of years to get that offense jump started. Now defensively they are very well stocked even with the uh, even with the exodus of guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and Michael Wright. Wright and Verone McKinley, but they've got guys like Noah Sewell and Justin Flo to anchor that linebacking core there. And I think given Dan Lanning's pedigree and his ability on the defensive side of the ball with what Oregon has recruited there over the last couple of years and, and how they've kind of left the fridge stocked for him, I think we're going to see some success from the Oregon Ducks 
uh, defensively at least. Whether or not this team stays in the top 25 will be sort of interesting how they handle this transition. But again, this is one of the more talented teams in the Pac-12, and I think they're getting a pretty good ball coach. So we'll see what happens with them. At number 13, we've got the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now the Razorbacks have improved drastically over the last two seasons under Sam Pittman. I think it's been pretty remarkable what he's been able to do. The Razorbacks won nine SEC games from 2015 to 2019, okay, over that, what's that, a five-year stretch, and they've already posted seven under Sam Pittman in his short tenure there, and there's a lot of optimism around this Arkansas program. And I think they're poised to take another step forward potentially in 2022. They do have star quarterback KJ Jefferson returning. They have a deep backfield that features guys like Dominic Johnson and Rocket Sanders. Now they are going to have to replace Traylon Burks. 66 catches over a thousand yards. That is a big loss for them. However, Jadon Hazelwood from Oklahoma transfer, uh, you know, they, a kid they got via the portal. I think he should relieve some of the concerns as far as big playability, potentially at receiver, but we'll have to see how he pans out because in my opinion, I don't think he's played quite up to his potential yet. Now up front, the Hogs have lost left tackle Myron Cunningham, uh, but center Ricky Stromberg and right tackle Dalton Wagner have opted to return for another year in Fayetteville. And the defense received some good news when linebacker Bumper Poole and safety Jalen Catalan announced their return for 2022. Now, Barry Odom did lose several other key players to the defense, such as linebacker Grant Morgan, defensive backs Montaric Brown and Joe Fouché, as well as lineman John Ridgway and Trey Williams. But he doesn't make the big bucks for no reason. He's one of the better defensive coordinators in the game, and I think he'll have a defensive unit with another year of continuity under his belt that will perform pretty well. If nothing else, this team will play very hard for Sam Pittman and crew. They are in a league that is very, very unfriendly though. So they are in the shark tank. We'll have to see. SEC West is a tough environment to win in. If I had to give a nod to which direction I think this team goes up or down in the top 25, I would say down with the likes of Alabama and Texas A&M sitting there and an LSU program that looks like it could be awakening again. So we'll have to we'll have to see what happens for the Hogs. But if you are an Arkansas fan, you've got to be pretty encouraged with what you've seen there out of Sam Pittman and crew. At number 12, we have NC State. The Wolf Pack just missed a trip to the ACC championship game in 2021. Dave Doran still knocked off Clemson uh, 27-21 last year in a last-minute rally to defeat them. They defeated North Carolina in an absolute thriller, 34 to 30. I was watching that game live. It was pretty pretty amazing. We did not see them in bowl action as it was canceled versus UCLA due to COVID-19 issues. However, this team returns a lot. I mean, a lot. Now, left tackle Ike McQuanu is a big loss up front. He's off to the NFL. The backfield does have to replace Ricky Person and Bam Knight, Zonovan Bam Knight, um, after they've left. But NC State, an offense that averaged 33 points per game, they do bring back quarterback Devin Leary, who accounted for 35 touchdowns against just five interceptions. They do have receivers Devin Carter and Thayer Thomas also returning. 
And then they do keep center Grant Gibson coming back for another year who should be a strong foundation on their interior offensive line. The Wolfpack finished second in the ACC in scoring defense behind Clemson at just 19.7 points per contest, and they're set to return largely intact. The biggest loss will be defensive end Daniel Joseph, but the linebacker unit should be one of the best in all college football with Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, and Drake Thomas all returning. And the schedule is manageable, but they do uh, have road dates that are on tap against Clemson, Louisville, and North Carolina. It'll be really interesting to see if this team either improves, does worse, or hits the same 9-3 and mark coming into this year. I think they have an opportunity to be a little bit better. However, I will say that I do believe this Clemson program may be sort of riding their ship a little bit, and time will tell whether or not NC State missed their shot in a year where Clemson was down spinning their wheels. At number 11, we are going to talk about a program that I am very impressed with, a head coach that I'm very impressed with, and in the short timetable he's been at this school, it is amazing what he's been able to do. It's Mel Tucker-ish, it's Sam Pittman-esque, whatever you want to say. And that is, at number 11, I have Baylor. I have Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears. I think one of the best coaching jobs of the 2021 season, if not the best coaching job of the 2021 season, has to go out to Dave Aranda. The Bears were 2-7 in 2020. The program rebounded. They won 12 games. They won a Big 12 title. And they beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl, 21-7. A huge reason for the turnaround, I think, was the hire of Jeff Grimes and the emergence of running back Abram Smith. This, again, is talent management as Abram Smith was a former former linebacker. They switched him to running back um, and they improved their offensive line up front. And, and all this was done through dogged determination and coaching. I mean, the offense jumped from just 23 points a game to 31 points a game in one year. Things were adapted, changed, overcome. Coach Aranda took notes and made the improvements he needed to make in, in on a short timetable. The Bears received some pretty good news in January as four senior offensive linemen are set to return next fall. They'll give the program one of the top units in all of college football up front. I think that that is a huge part build upon for this offense moving forward. They do lose some skill talent uh, as Tyquan Thornton and RJ Sneed have to be replaced. And uh, there's going to be a quarterback position battle between Jerry Bohannon and Blake Shapin. However, I do like Bohannon to win that one. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they were one of the Big 12's best defensive units in 2021. And even though they're losing line linebacker Terrell Bernard and some key pieces in the secondary. I like Dave Aranda to be able to coach that defensive side of the ball. He's kind of, you know, like a Kirby Smart type where you never really worry about the defensive side of the ball too much with a coach like him. And it's, I think what you saw out of this Baylor defense last year, they were just so well coached. So if they have to lose more on one side of the ball versus the other, I like Dave to be able to fix that defensive side of the ball in a hurry. Now we're going to get into the top 10. At number 10, we have the Clemson Tigers. Now, Dabo Sweeney's team won 10 games for the 11th year in a row, despite an offense that only managed about 26 points a game, last in the ACC in yards per play, very shaky play out of quarterback DJ Uyunglele, a guy that we were never really sold on coming into preseason last year. And I feel like he sort of was that self-fulfilling prophecy that I kind of saw coming. There were a lot of people that propped this kid up off of the performance they saw off, off of two games, really. I didn't think he was going to be all that. And 
his true colors kind of showed. They have addressed the quarterback position in recruiting with five-star freshman Cade Klubnick coming in, and the two of them should compete to see who's going to run the Clemson offense. Their rushing attack should be very stout coming into this next year with Will Shipley and Kobe Pace as a good one-two punch in the backfield with an offensive line that will likely develop from last year into this year. Defensively, they return quite a bit. Again, up up in the uh, up in the front, especially with Brian Brzee, who should be back after suffering ACL injury in late September that ended his season. They but they they are well stocked on that defensive side of the ball, even with the depra- departure of Brett Venables. I think the real question for Clemson is how is Dabo Sweeney going to handle a coaching staff that has had turnover for the first time in a decade? But off of talent alone, I do have them as a top 10 program. At number nine, I've got Oklahoma. Brett Venables comes in right away. So I think right there you think defensive upgrade. Jeff Lebby, a hire there, coordinator hire, moves from Old Miss over to call plays in Norman. And even though Caleb Williams entered the transfer portal, the Sooners had to consider plan B at the position, and they did. And I think they picked up a pretty dang good uh, you know, pickup as a plan B with UCF transfer quarterback Dylan Gabriel. I mean, the kid can definitely sling it. That is for damn sure. Marvin Mims returns as the top option at wide receiver. Now, Eric Gray and Marcus Major will handle the bulk of the work running back after Kennedy Brooks you know, has left for the NFL. However, those are two pretty good options in the backfield. The offensive line lost a couple of starters. They have room to improve after giving up 33 sacks in 2021. The Sooners have made strides on defense in recent years, and Venable's presence should help this unit take that improvement up another notch. Linebacker Nick Benito and lineman Isaiah Thompson and Perion Winfrey, definitely big departures off of the defense, but again, the cupboard is not bare for Brett Venables. Uh, Both Baylor and Oklahoma State visit Norman in 2022, but they do have a road game at Nebraska. They do have to take a trip to TCU, Iowa State, as well as West Virginia. So that is a little bit of a tough slate there for them. Whether or not this team stays in the top 10, I think if you were to ask me to you know, take a bet on whether or not they do, I would say I would lean towards them falling out of the top 10 and losing some ground in this top 25. Um, However, as far as talent accrual over the last several years in this conference, Oklahoma's right at the top. And even with the huge exodus of some players that were, you know, on the active roster when Lincoln Riley left, I think they are still well-stocked enough to be able to have some success here in year one with Brett Venables. I still like them to be at least an eight or nine win ball club, and I think that'll be good enough to keep them in the top 25 based on historics. At number eight, we have the Utah Utes, led by Kyle Whittingham. Man, what a coaching job he did last year. Quarterback Cam Rising was instrumental in the team's rebound from a one and two start, and uh He's got a full offseason to work as the starter to really settle into that position and continue to develop under coordinator Andy Ludwig. The backfield is set to lose TJ Pleasure. However, Tavion Thomas, who accounted for 1,100 rushing yards, will be returning for this next year. He's, he's already announced that. Additionally, tight ends... 
Brent Creethy, who is an absolute weapon for them last year, as well as Dalton Kincaid, will both be back. The Utes should have one of the top offensive lines in all of the Pac-12 next year. And defensively, even though they lose linebacker Devin Lloyd and lineman Mika Tafua, who will both be missed, the depth chart featured mostly underclassmen on that side of the ball. They do have cornerback Clark Phillips III, who in all likelihood could be a preseason All-American. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But Utah opens at Florida on September 3rd. They do have to take you know cross-country trips, so it'll be a tough environment either way. And they do get UCLA, Washington State, and Oregon on the road in conference play as well. But this is a team that returns 72 scholarship players from last year. They're one of the deepest teams in the entire country in terms of continuity and experience. And I think that this is a team that you could see trend up before the end of the year and is my preseason favorite to win the Pac-12 again. At number seven, I've got the Michigan Wolverines. A note of caution to this tale. Jim Harbaugh is currently in talks with the NFL and potentially could be announced as the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings at literally any moment. And this, once again, goes to reinforce what I think about Jim Harbaugh as being one of the quirkiest and unusual coaches of all of football, period. Because why in the hell would you be interviewing for a job at a potential NFL stop right in the middle, right in the thick of National Signing Day, recruiting season, everything else? I don't know. And we'll have to see how that may or may not affect the class that he's bringing in. But as far as what is already on the roster, um, Michigan's pretty good. They're pretty solid. And you have to remember, Jim Harbaugh has recruited top 10 classes to Michigan. I think every year he's been been there. Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy will be among the top quarterbacks in the battle this offseason for who should get the starting nod. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be J.J. McCarthy because I think he really is an elite talent at the quarterback position in terms of what he's able to do with his arm, what he's able to do with his feet, and uh, he just brings another dimension to the game that Cade McNamara can provide. And honestly, when they did have some offensive success in the Orange Bowl against Georgia, J.J. McCarthy was at the helm. Now, the winner of that battle returns a strong stable of backs. They feature Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum along with a deep receiving core that is slated to bring back several key pieces along with the return of standout Ronnie Bell from injury, which is a huge, huge get for Michigan in this upcoming year. Now, if Jim Harbaugh stays around and so does coordinator Josh Gaddis, you know, they they do have to retool a little bit from their Joe Moore award-winning offensive line up front. But Virginia transfer, I'm not even going to try this kid's name. Uh, well, I will. Fine. Olusugun Oluwatimi. So that's a mouthful. Should ease the transition there. He's a, he's a Virginia transfer. He's a stud. Okay, so let's just say stud offensive lineman double O is showing up. Um, Michigan's defense ranked among the best in college football. They held opponents to 17 points a game last year. David Jabo, Aiden Hutchinson are both off to the next level. There could be other key losses to the NFL as well, likely Daxton Hill. I think he may have already made that announcement. So they do have some retooling to do defensively. But like I said, they have layers of top 10 classes there at Michigan. And uh, in terms of raw talent, they're in a really good position. At number six, 
I have these guys rated higher than a lot of people do, and I think, again, I'm a, I'm a big guy on historics. I like to see sustained success over time, and this is one of the top programs as far as sustained success over time under head coach Mike Gundy. We're, of course, talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, they tied the school mark for most wins in a season with 12 last year, and they came just this far away, inches from a victory in the Big 12 title game. They rallied from a 21-point deficit in the Fiesta Bowl to defeat Notre Dame. I had them counted down and out, and they came back and fought and clawed their way back into that. And I think that's a testament to Coach Gundy, this roster, the belief that this team has, even when they're down, to continue to battle, to continue to scrap. They did it against Oklahoma, upsetting them in Bedlam. And to be honest, I think the Big 12 could be wide open next year. I think Baylor will be around, like I said, with Dave Aranda. And yeah, Oklahoma's still got a ton of uh, talent there on the roster, but again, first-year head coach and Brett Finables. You have to like the Cowboys position here in the Big 12. With a defense last year that limited opponents to 4.6 yards per play, 18 points a game, I know that it faces a significant overhaul with losing their D.C. in Jim Knowles off to Ohio State, along with the personnel departures, including the all-Big 12 linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez. But they do return both defensive ends in Colin Oliver and Brock Martin, who combined for nearly 20 sacks last year, 19 and a half if we're being specific. I think that's a good place to start a rebuilding effort. Quarterback Spencer Sanders closed out the year on a high note by throwing for 371 yards and four touchdowns in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know. Maybe that is a spark. Maybe that does give him the confidence to start playing consistently next year. We'll have to see. And then receiver Tay Martin will be missed, but they do have the return of Brennan Presley, who accounted for 50 catches in 2021, and Blaine Green as well. The offensive line's in good shape, and Dominic Richardson will power this ground game for the next season. Again, Oklahoma State is a team that they consistently give you what you're looking for. Under Mike Gundy, I think you're going to you're going to see that success continue. I still think that this is a a 9-10 win team. Uh, I, I would I would lean towards a 10 win team. Whether or not this team stays in the top 10, this is really sort of my biggest gamble sort of putting this team in the top 10, but I just have a feeling about them. They were Picked as a preseason college football playoff team in 2020, I think that pick arrived a little bit early, but I think we could see a team in Stillwater that potentially makes a push that's commensurate with what they did last year, if not even a little bit better coming into this year. At number five, I've got Notre Dame. Now, Marcus Freeman, there goes a lot. To, there's a lot to be said for morale and motivation, and this team clearly wanted Coach Freeman as their head coach. It's his first full year in charge. They have a season opener at Ohio State. That game, I, I don't want to sit here and say that that game is going to tell us a lot because games in September so rarely have an impact on what's happening in November. However, the winner of that game has what I would consider to be a pretty inside track, uh, a great launching point for the legitimacy of you know, being in the early playoff conversation, right? So they also have a home date versus Clemson, which will be you know a tough matchup no matter how you slice it. And then they take a road trip to USC, a USC team that who knows what they look like with Caleb Williams at the helm and the skill positions they have around them to close out the month of November. The rest of the slate 
is very manageable for this team. I think hitting double-digit wins should be within reach once again. I think that you're going to see at least a, you know a, a ten and two type product out of this out of this school. That's what you have come to see out of them. I will say that the quarterback position gives me some cause for concern with Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner. Not exactly sure what you're going to see out of them. However, I think they'll have one of the best one-two punches in Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs coming out of the backfield behind an offensive line that is improved should be improved from last year. It was definitely a unit that was getting better as the year went on in 2020. 21 in 2022 I think they'll take another step forward and then tight end Michael Mayer is an absolute beast they also have receivers Dion Colsey and Brandon Lindsay uh, headlinings for top targets in the passing game so at the skill positions at the tight end position at the backs offensive line I think if you have an efficient quarterback uh, a quarterback you can rely on not to turn the ball over and make a couple of key throws when you need it this could be a you know, again, an efficient offense. And as we've seen, teams can win a lot of games and win conference championships and make college football playoffs with efficient teams that don't shoot themselves in the foot. Defensively, I like some things about it, right? So Marcus Freeman's defense last year held opponents under 20 points a game. I think it's likely going to be the strength of this Irish team. Edge rusher Isaiah Foskey returning to South Bend. That's a nice pickup for them. And then the addition of Northwestern transfer Brandon Joseph at safety is going to be really, really big for them. But again, the quarterback position, the development there is crucial if Notre Dame wants to push for a potential playoff spot this year. At number four, I've got Texas A&M. And I give the Aggies the edge over Notre Dame because of the quarterback position. They landed Max Johnson from LSU, a kid that is well-proven with what he was able to do. I think he instantly upgrades the quarterback talent on this Texas A&M roster, which was honestly probably about the one thing that really held them back last year, that and a little bit of that offensive line turnover from that Maroon Goon squad in 2020. Everywhere else on this Texas A&M roster, they are absolutely loaded. Um, the backfield doesn't lack for any options with Devin Ekane likely to take on a bigger workload. Let's see here. I mean, geez, man, they they have they have a ton returning, right? They they have Anaya Smith, Demon Demas, Caleb Chapman, and Jalen Preston. They're all set to return. They do lose tight end Jaden uh, Jalen Weidermeyer and guard Kenyon Green. Those are big losses on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense does have to replace quite a bit. I mean, they have to replace their entire starting defensive line just about. However, I don't know if you've been paying attention lately to recruiting, but they this Texas A&M squad just recruited the top rated recruiting class of all time. If that sounds familiar, it's because they just beat Alabama's 2021 all-time recruiting class. So they actually, in, in consecutive years, the top recruiting class has been signed. It's pretty remarkable what this team's been able to do. There's a lot of people that have a lot of theories on how and why these players are going to Texas A&M. However, it doesn't change the fact that they've just landed a ton of studs, and they've been recruiting at a high level for the last several years. So if they're going to replace some talent, especially on the defensive line, on the defensive front, I like them to be able to do it. And I think that Jimbo Fisher, at least from a roster perspective, is positioning this team solidly, solidly in, in a good spot to make a college football playoff push, if not this year, in the next couple of years. And number three, we've got the Ohio State Buckeyes. 
They missed the playoff for the first time under head coach Ryan Day in 2021. I think that they are pretty upset about that and probably have the college football playoffs squarely in their crosshairs. They do return quarterback C.J. Stroud, which is one of the very few quote-unquote elite-level quarterbacks that I think you're going to be seeing this year in the, in the 2022 season. And they do return uh, a lot on the offensive side of the ball, particularly in their receiving core with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr. But that's not really where they had the issues in this past season. It was definitely addressing a struggling defense. And I think that was the top priority for Ryan Day this offseason as he did go out and hire Oklahoma State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles as the new defensive coordinator to come into Columbus and fix a defensive unit that allowed 22.8 points per game and 5.3 yards per play. Now, when all things were said and done, they were still actually a top 25 defense. But what you saw out of them is in in key situations, their defense was unable to deal with physicality up front. And I think that that's got to be the biggest thing that changes. They have to be able to hang in there against some of these teams that want to ground it and pound it on them. And so I think Jim Knowles will be able to probably flip that culture there in Columbus. Now, whether or not he does it this season and you see an immediate instant impact, I don't know because of the defensive scheme that he does like to run. It is a little bit complex and it usually does take about, you know, a a little over a season, usually two years. We saw Oklahoma State take about two, three years to really hit their stride with his system, but he is working with a lot better raw pro product there in Columbus with the way they have recruited on that side of the ball. So it should be very interesting. I will say that if you see this Ohio State team show up with C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Jackson Smith and Jigma and Travion Henderson, and the way that they've recruited on the offensive side of the ball, and they put up that same kind of success, and you see a defense improve to a defense that is holding teams under 20 points of contest, being physical up front and being stingy when they need to be, this could be a national championship caliber team. And as you might have imagined, at number two, I have the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is going to lose some key pieces from their 2021 squad, but Coach Kirby Smart is going to reload. And I think they're going to make another national championship run. I know what's on this roster. I know the way that this team has been recruited over the last several years. There are guys that are sitting on that depth chart that are going to probably emerge and have breakout seasons this year. And as usual in Athens, depth and talent at the running back position, let's start there. That's not really going to be a concern Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh should become the new tandem in the backfield. Todd Monk in another year to use those those guys there, even though they'll be losing James Cook and Zamir White. Uh, we didn't even really talk about you know, guys that they, they have like Dejon Edwards that could step in there and play a role and then guys that they've recruited uh, in this cycle as well. They also have tight end Brock Bowers. I think he'll probably be a preseason All-American selection this fall. They have a receiving core that's one of the deepest in the SEC. They have the likes of Adonai Mitchell, Kyrus Jackson, Lad McConkey, and a finally healthy Dominic Blaylock as well. Not to mention a name I want to put out here, Arian Smith, kid who's been buried on the depth chart. He's dealt with nagging injuries all last season. 
He was the fastest kid in the state of Florida when he was recruited and a kid that can absolutely take the top off of a defense. And I think that this is his year to pop. Now, they do lose Jermaine Burton in the transfer portal to rival Alabama, much to the chagrin of a lot of Georgia fans. However, what is on that depth chart? is solid, solid wide receiver room for any quarterback to deal with. Now, defensively, they were one of the best in in the country and in recent memory, a top five defense all time last year amongst teams that have won a national championship. They do lose several key contributors to the next level, like Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, Darian Kendrick. Yes, a, a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. However, I don't foresee a major drop-off considering what has been recruited there. And again, you're looking at Kirby Smart and asking him to put together a defensive product. I think he is well capable of doing that. They do have some very exciting defensive recruits coming in in Mikhail Williams, as well as Bear Alexander, Dalen Everett at corner. And they have a few key contributors on the defensive side of the ball that are actually returning in this next year as well, as safety Chris Smith has announced he's going to return. Tiki Smith, the talented transfer from West Virginia, we never really got to see going because of his broken foot last year. He is coming back, as well as Nolan Smith, Junior, I guess it's going to be the Smith, Smith, Smith defense. Very interesting. But (laughs) once again, defensive talent not lacking at Georgia. And I think they're going to field a very stingy unit here again in 2022. The return of Stetson Bennett at the quarterback position continues to provide leadership and tangibles continuity. And again, if this kid has the talent around him, I think once again with a friendly schedule, they will be able to make a push towards a college football playoff towards a SEC championship again towards another national championship, but it will be tough uh, once they run into, all in all likelihood, my number one team on the top 25 here in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban's team is positioned yet again, shocker, for another title run in 2022. The Tide will return top quarterback in the nation, Bryce Young, along with the number one defensive player in college football in linebacker Will Anderson, in addition to a loaded roster with two top Heisman, what should be Heisman candidates in each one of those guys, the number one recruiting class from 2021. And if that wasn't enough, they have a manageable schedule. Um, They do take a trip to Austin to play Texas in non-con. I think that they should win that one pretty handedly. They they do get Texas A&M and Auburn at home this year. Also, there's no crossover game with Georgia, so there's going to be no in-season clash of the Titans. And if all of that wasn't enough, they have once again, leverage the portal to their advantage, grabbing Georgia Tech transfer running back Jameer Gibbs, who will be an instant impact player at running back. So not only did they have a need at running back, but they went out and got a guy named uh, Jameer Gibbs, who is an absolute threat running the ball, catching the ball, everything that he does. He is an impact playmaker. It's really remarkable the way that they've been able to leverage that portal. They have needs in the secondary, no problem. They go to LSU, they get Eli Ricks, one of the best shutdown corners in all of college football to try to anchor uh, the secondary next season. He'll be a standout there. They have a need at wide receiver, no problem. They just go and get Jermaine Burton from Georgia, who you know is a 
former highly rated four-star recruit and again a guy that's probably going to catch go for well over a thousand yards receiving in this next year it is an absolute embarrassment of riches on their roster coming into 2022 and I could not in good conscience put another team at number one knowing what I know about Alabama and what they're returning I think that they're solidly the best team in college football and likely win a national championship in this next year. (laughs) I think the playoff picture will look pretty similar. I would expect teams like Georgia and Ohio State to be there in the end. But if you're asking me for my money to pick today, who I thought was going to be your national champion based on what we see out of Alabama, I think that they're the team to do it. Again, let's talk about some wild card teams really quick. Some teams that, like I said are not in the top 25, but we have a sneaking suspicion that they'll end up there before the end of the year, or at least do a little bit of time in the top 25. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is LSU. The LSU Tigers are killing it in the transfer portal since Brian Kelly has ended up there. They have double-digit guys, and they've also done a pretty good job in their recruiting cycle here. National Signing Day will have addressed immediate needs for this LSU Tigers squad coming into 2022. I think it'll be a good stopgap year and uh, probably a more competitive product than you saw out of LSU last year with Brian Kelly. If he keeps taking guys to his weird uh, strobe room and dancing around him, I don't know how it's going to turn out long term. But in the short term, he has landed quite a few talented guys that should help the Bayou Bengals here in 2022. And I think that they will make a move into the top 25. The next team I have as a wild card is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Tanner Morgan returning for another year in Minneapolis with P.J. Fleck. And minus the strange... COVID 2020 year, this Minnesota Golden Gopher squad has been quite good under PJ Fleck. I think they're I think they're going to be solid, man. I really do. They, there's a path for them to move into the top 25 as well with Wisconsin and Iowa on the schedule. If they get it done, I would not be surprised to see these guys slide up in there and be a potential nine and three or even a ten and two type team uh, with a little success. I think the floor for these guys is somewhere around eight and four. To be honest with you, they're huge up front on both sides of the ball. Again, Tanner Morgan, some good skill talent, and I like PJ Fleck to have a team ready to go. Another, the next wild card team I want to talk about is the Miami Hurricanes with Mario Cristobal moving down there and taking the reins on that program. They do return quarterback Tyler Van Dyke and a very good young core group of players that the Miami youth movement of Manny Diaz last year got quite a bit of experience playing on the field. There was a lot of on-the-job training for those underclassmen. And who knows, I think that that experience could pay dividends coming into this next year. I think you'll see a better Miami Hurricanes team than a 6-6 effort that we saw out of them this year. I like this team to Uh, to be above 500 in this next season and possibly make some waves in the ACC. Whether or not they crack the top 25 uh, remains to be seen, but I I like them square. I like their chances to be able to do it. Let's put it that way. I almost had these guys actually rated at 25, but held off. Uh, But I think that they will catch some fire here this next season and return a little bit of respect to that program. The next wild card team I have is Texas. The Texas Longhorns have been loading up big time. Again, transfer portal and doing a very nice job in this recruiting cycle with Steve Sarkeesian. They finished 
finish with the nation's number five recruiting class. And what I'm most excited about for this squad is how they went about addressing needs at the offensive line. They've had upgrades at every one of those positions, either through the portal or through the high school recruiting uh, pipeline. And then they do land quarterback Quinn Ewers. That should be an instant upgrade at the quarterback position. The question is, can they get the culture things at Texas figured out? to where this is a team that finds a way to win games instead of laying down, dying, and losing games and blowing leads. Uh, I'd like to see what kind of coaching job, top to bottom on the staff, they do with the Longhorns coming into 2022. The last wild card team that I have is the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a team, again, that last season was in the fight constantly. A lot of one-score, one-possession-type losses. A team that just didn't really understand how to win. They they were on the bubble several times. A lot of heartbreaking you know, events, a series of unfortunate events every week that they played kind of held them back from getting the W. I wonder if this year is the year that it kind of clicks and they try to get the taste of you know, those losses out of their mouth. Again, this is another Big Ten West team, so somebody's going to end up here with heartbreak. Uh, again, coming up short, but this is a do-or-die year, I think, for Scott Frost. I think the team knows that. I think that for a program like Nebraska, it's time to sort of get right and at least get back to bowl eligibility. I think they could do a hair better. Because as far as power rating schemes goes, this is a team that a lot of sports publications in the last year had in their top 25, solidly in their top 25. They just need to maximize what they're getting effort-wise, attention to detail-wise, and execution-wise out of the guys they have recruited. A couple of dark horses real quick. Kansas State, I think the addition of the former Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez teaming up with running back Deuce Vaughn could create Something there in Manhattan that could be pretty interesting to watch. I like Kansas State as a program that is going to show up, play hard, and give you good, solid, consistent football. So watch out for them in a topsy-turvy, you know, Big 12 to potentially make a move. Florida State, I know we had these guys on the dark horses last year. They've continued to kill it through the transfer portal again for another year. Mike Norvell is continuing to recruit hats to Florida State at least. So We'll see if that translates into more wins and possible top 25 success this year. Uh, I'm not sure, but they could be a team that comes screaming out of nowhere and really you know, returns to their former prominence finally. Coastal Carolina, again, a team in Conway under Jamie Chadwell there that's done a great job over the last couple of years. This was a team that we called out as our Mighty Mites of 2020, and they've never really left. You know, <laughs> The darlings of the dance, the dance is over, and they didn't leave. Again, a top 25 preseason top 25 selection last year, finished with a 10-2 and two year, a bowl win, and they return quarterback Grayson McCall there in Conway. More will be asked of him as he has lost some key uh, offensive firepower around him. But again, Coastal Carolina, a team I think that is positioned really well, solidly in the Sunbelt Conference, certainly could win that conference. Uh, and uh, defensively, I think that they're going to be a little better this year than they even were last year. Boise State, Another team, Mountain West. Again, Boise State's a team that has had historic success, wanting one of the winningest programs in all of college football over the last 15 years. And I think that they get right this year. They had a couple of, you know, sort of weird things happen to them last year. Injury bug, bit at weird times, a couple of weird bounce of ball plays that sort of left them with a lackluster season. But I think another year of continuity on that staff, another year of 
implementing and installing the systems, the playbook, whatever it is. And Hank Bachmeyer returns again at quarterback. So experienced signal caller, a team getting healthier, a team on the mend. I like Boise State to come back and cement their rightful place in the Mountain West, you know, as a possible Mountain West champion. And then uh, if they were to do that, a top 25 team. The last dark horse team I want to talk about comes from the SEC East, and that is South Carolina, what Shane Beamer has been bringing to the program since he's been there. I was critical of that hire off the bat. And to be honest with you, he's got that team playing hard. And I was very impressed with what he was able to do in this last year. Bringing in quarterback Spencer Rattler and tight end Austin Stogner from the transfer portal gives the Gamecocks the kind of pop on offense they were missing for all of last year. I think Shane Beamer worked with both. Yeah, he worked with both those guys at Oklahoma. He knows what he's getting. So, you know, I'm just I'm excited about that. That's an instant upgrade to their quarterback room. That's an instant upgrade to what they're going to be able to do offensively. And then at the running back position, they have guys like Juju McDowell, who showed some promise and limited opportunities as a freshman. They picked up three more transfers, again, in running back Christian Beal-Smith from Wake Forest, Lavoisier Carroll from Georgia, and wide receiver Antoine Wells from James Madison. They should add plenty of firepower to the offensive side of the ball and then a defense that actually uh, returns quite quite a bit, quite a solid nucleus there. In upgrading the talent the way they're doing, if he can get that talent to play and fight hard like they did last year, watch out for the Gamecocks to make some noise in the SEC East. And they actually host Georgia this year. That should be a pretty bananas game uh, for them. Well, that does it, folks. That wraps it up. I know went a little bit longer than uh, we usually do, but there there is your way too early top 25 from any given you. And hey, if you enjoyed what you heard here today, please do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at any given you on Instagram. Hit the link tree to get access to all things any given you. Do us a favor and tell some of your friends about the podcast. They can catch us on all major podcast platforms. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given team, you get it here at any given you.